This is CNN Breaking News. And welcome to the lead. I'm Jake Tapper. A historic day on Capitol Hill. Former special counsel and FBI director Robert Mueller testifying before the House Judiciary Committee and the House Intelligence Committee, spelling out his team's findings for the American public and directly contradicting President Trump at times. Trump, who despite decrying the investigation as a witch hunt and a hoax, has claimed complete and total exoneration. But today, Mueller said the president has not been exonerated and it was not a witch hunt. Mueller this afternoon also clarifying some of his testimony from earlier in the day, making clear his team did not make a determination as to whether President Trump committed the crime of obstruction of justice. And though Mueller did say it's true a president could be prosecuted after he leaves office, he refused to say whether his report recommended impeachment. On the question of potential conspiracy between Russia and the Trump campaign, Mueller once again affirmed that there was not sufficient evidence to charge any member of the Trump campaign with taking part in any criminal conspiracy with Russia. Mueller's brief, at times halting answers and refusal to speculate on many issues, was surely not what many Democrats were hoping for, though there was at least one time when Mueller seemed to go outside the boundaries of his report, weighing in on comments from President Trump as a candidate about WikiLeaks. This just came out, WikiLeaks. I love WikiLeaks. Donald Trump, October 10th, 2016. This WikiLeaks stuff is unbelievable. It tells you the inner heart. You got to read it. Donald Trump, October 12th, 2016. This WikiLeaks is like a treasure trove. Donald Trump, October 31st, 2016. Boy, I love reading those WikiLeaks. Donald Trump, November 4th, 2016. Do any of those quotes disturb you, Mr. Director? I'm not certain I would say. Uh, How do you react? To that? Uh, well, it's probably problematic is an understatement. Problematic is an understatement. As CNN's Sarah Murray reports to us now, Democrats are claiming today's testimony only bolsters their case for impeachment proceedings to begin, while Republicans are saying they learned nothing new. Case closed. Prize witness on the stand. You swear or affirm under penalty of Democrats tried to drive home President Trump's alleged misconduct. So the report did not conclude that he did not commit obstruction of justice. Is that correct? That is correct. And what about total exoneration? Did you actually totally exonerate the president? No. Former special counsel Robert Mueller neutered Trump's favored lines of defense. Well, your investigation is not a witch hunt, is it? It is not a witch hunt. When the president said the Russian interference was a hoax, that was false, wasn't it? True. But Mueller may have failed to deliver the sparks Democrats hoped for. Was the point of this hearing to get Mr. Mueller to recommend impeachment? That is not a fair point of inquiry. The hearings plotted along. Members read sections of the report, and Mueller offered halting answers, often responding with one word, and more than 100 times citing the more than 400-page Russia report. At one point, Mueller signaled the only reason Trump wasn't indicted is because he's a sitting president. I'd like to ask you, the reason, again, that you did not indict Donald Trump is because of OLC opinion stating that you cannot indict a sitting president, correct? Uh, that is correct. But he later clarified. We did not reach a determination as to whether the president committed a crime. Still, it's clear Justice Department guidelines that a sitting president cannot be indicted weighed heavily on Mueller's decision-making. He had an obligation to either prosecute or not prosecute. Well, generally that is the case, right. although most cases are not uh, done in the context of uh, uh, the president. And in this case, you made a decision not to prosecute, correct? No, we made a decision not to decide whether to prosecute or not. Could you charge the president with a crime after he left office? Yes. Mueller also wouldn't say whether he intended for Congress to pursue impeachment proceedings. You never use the term raising to impeachable conduct. Our mandate does not go to other ways of addressing conduct. For their part, Republicans scoffed at the investigation. It's time for the curtain to close on the Russia hoax. The conspiracy theory is dead. And pressed Mueller on its origins, particularly the dossier, which is under investigation by the Justice Department. You had two years to investigate. Not once did you consider it worthy to investigate how an un unverified document that was paid for by a political opponent was used to obtain a warrant to spy on the opposition political campaign. Did you do any investigation in that I, whatsoever? I did not accept your characterization of what occurred. 
What would you what would be your not going to speak any more to it? While Republicans aim to discredit Mueller, attacks on his team drew the strongest pushback. Uh, we strove to hire those individuals that could do the job. Uh, I've, been, yeah, okay. I've been in this business for almost 25 years. And in those 25 years, I have not had occasion once to ask somebody about their political affiliation. It is not done. What I care about is the capability of the individual to do the job and do the job quickly and seriously and with integrity. Now, Jake, Bob Mueller seemed a little bit more expressive in that second hearing about conspiracy. He said he was afraid it could be the new normal that campaigns will see foreign powers, foreign hostile powers trying to interfere in U.S. elections and not feel compelled to tell the authorities. And he also pointed out that in some circumstances, it is a crime if you accept help from foreign powers. If you are a campaign, obviously, that is a message he wanted to get across clearly, even if Donald Trump is not going to face any consequences. All right, Sarah Murray, thanks so much. Uh, let's chew over all this uh, with my experts here. Uh, Jen Psaki, let me start with you. Uh, House Oversight Committee Chairman uh, Democrat Elijah Cummings said today he thinks Democrats did a good job, but he's not sure this is going to shift public opinion. What do you think? I think that's right, or it's too soon to know. Uh, the other layer of, a, of opinion, though, is members of Congress. And there are members who have been in the wings waiting to call for impeachment hearings even before today. So I expect we'll see a slew of those over the next couple of days. Do you think it's more Democrats will call for impeachment? I fully expect that. I think many have been waiting for a reason to do that uh, even before the hearing started today. And this gives them a reason to do that. So if that happens, some things to watch are who are these Democrats? Are they vulnerable freshmen? Are they um, experienced uh, leaders who are more moderate in the party? Are there people who send a message to Nancy Pelosi that actually the politics in the caucus are shifting? If that happens, that's what she's looking for. You could certainly shift in her strategy as well. And Mike Rogers, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think anything changed today. I would look for one member that's going to make a big, uh, important impact on this, and that's Nancy Pelosi. If you see her shifting at all on the notion that impeachment is possible uh, or that could help maintain that majority, she'll move. And if you don't hear that kind of language in today or tomorrow or in the next few days, it doesn't matter if five or 10 or 50 uh, Democrats come out. She's going to make sure that that will or will not happen. And again, she stated pretty clearly her goal in this is to maintain the majority. But I think that will be based on where her members go. Right. She's so a temperature a, taker. Yeah, there's a connection. So if there's a domino, it could impact her as well. Um, and obviously, uh, Mueller today, and you, you've worked with him in the past, Mueller today really wanted to stay within the confines of the report. More than 100 times, he refused to answer the question or said he wasn't going to get into it. Uh, here's just a, a little sample. I direct you to the report. I rely on the, uh, the report. I send you back to the report. I can't beyond what's in the report. I am not going to get into that. I can't get into the discussions on that. We can't get into it. Were you surprised at all at how often he refused to answer the question, just said he wouldn't, he wouldn't get into it? Uh, and also, what do you make of some of the, some of the criticism of him uh, that uh, he couldn't hear all the questions? He seemed not always as familiar with the report as, as other people on the committee. Mm -hmm. um, I was not surprised that he didn't answer a lot of questions and that he, can, he did refer back to the report a lot because that is exactly what he said he was going to do. Um, he said it all along. He said it in his May statement that he was sticking to the report. He said it leading up to the hearing. So I do think that he did what he said in sticking to the contours of the report. I think he actually, though, especially in the second hearing, he contradicted the president's main talking point, which is that the entire investigation was a hoax. This investigation was not a hoax. And in the second hearing, the, the House Intelligence hearing, his he was more engaging because I think what he is most concerned about, Mueller, um, is the national security issue and the threat that Russian interference played in the election and plays today and going forward. And so I think he was more engaging on that issue. And he absolutely contradicted what is the president's main talking point consistently, which is that there was no basis for this investigation. The investigation was a hoax and the entire Mueller investigation had no purpose. That is not what Bob Mueller said today. Did he do it in the most engaging way that I think people would have perhaps liked to see? No. Um, but he said it and he stuck to that and he was most, I won't say animated, but he was most engaged on that national security and issue. Elliot, in addition to taking, I'm not taking away because I'm sure we'll hear it anyway, but in, in addition to disputing the witch hunt hoax talking points from President Trump, he also very clearly said uh, that the no obstruction and um, 
uh, and, and other, what's the one? I'm, no uh, collusion? Uh, well, no, he, he, he backed the no collusion, no obstruction, exoneration, oh, right. total exoneration. Uh, he, he contradicted those as well. It was not an exoneration, he said, uh, and he didn't reach a conclusion on uh, obstruction. Right. And all this talk about Robert Mueller's demeanor and was he slower? Was he, you know, look, look at what got on the record today. And like you said, no obstruction. There was evidence of obstruction on at least 11 or 10 instances, four of which met all of the elements of the criminal offense. Uh, you know, the collusion, he sort of um, uh, didn't completely dispel. But again, on the question of you had a, a foreign actor willing to and wanting to interfere in our elections and a campaign wanting to accept it. That There was testimony about that today. And all of this talk about was Robert Mueller there and was he as sharp or should he have been younger, it's ancillary to the point that what we heard was clear evidence today of what was in this report laying out damaging evidence for the president of the United States. Now, we can disagree and people can disagree as to what you ought to do with it, whether it was a, a roadmap or a template for impeachment or whether it was a template or a roadmap for future prosecution. But at the end of the day, there is evidence on the record in Congress now uh, of serious misdeeds by a presidential campaign and the president of the United States. Full stop. And I want to play one specific exchange about something that Mueller would not talk about. Take a listen. Did you want to interview Donald Trump Jr.? And I'm not going to discuss that. Did you subpoena Donald Trump Jr.? And I'm not going to discuss that. Did you want to interview the president? Yes. So I'm confused. Does anybody have any insight? Why would he not answer the questions about Donald Trump Jr.? He, he, he made it clear. You know why? Yeah, because yeah. he's a private individual. He's a private individual. Yeah. So. so this goes to if we look at the actual report itself, um, the report itself does not get into. And there are sections that are redacted that I think um, probably pertain to that category of information that Attorney General Barr said they would not release, which is inform- derogatory information about a private individual. I think that's why he was willing to um, answer more questions about the president because he's the president. He's a public official. It was in the section C outlined exactly that whole deliberation, which I thought was unusual, but they put it in the schedule in the report about talking about why they ended up going with written questions versus not. And I think that's probably also contributed. The other question about Trump Jr. is that if you read between the lines where he's referenced they, they leave the implication that he uh, asserted his Fifth Amendment right. Mm-hmm. And because that dealt with the grand jury and some secrecy questions, he probably just didn't want to go there. Um, but also, uh, um, with respect to the president of the United States, he also says that the president's answers were inadequate a number of times. And, and untruthful, which untruthful. surprised me a little Today bit. he said that, untruthful. Yeah, I thought still that waiting was to see shocking. if he walks that back. The I way thought he that was shocking. It was shocking. Congressman, uh, Congresswoman Val Demings. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Any minute, we expect President Trump uh, to leave the White House. He's on his way to West Virginia for a fundraiser. Is he going to comment? On the testimony from special counsel Robert Mueller on the congressional hearing, stay with us. And we're back with the breaking news. Robert Mueller today finally testifying before Congress, the former special counsel, largely sticking within the confines of his 448-page report, refusing to say whether his report recommended impeachment, though Mueller did affirm that the president could be charged with a crime after leaving office, theoretically. Let's continue the conversation. And I want to bring in uh, this clip from Florida Congresswoman uh, Val Demings uh, asking Robert Mueller, and perhaps the most surprising part of the testimony, except for the part that he walked back earlier, uh, where basically she said, uh, was the president honest in his written answers mm-hmm. uh, about a Russian election interference? Let's play the clip. Could you say, Director Mueller, that the president was credible? I can't answer that question. Director Mueller, isn't it fair to say that the president's written answers were not only inadequate and incomplete because he didn't answer many of your questions, but where he did, his answer showed that he wasn't always being truthful? Uh, There, uh, I would say, uh, generally. Generally. Director Mueller is... I mean, that's a pretty stunning moment. Generally, the president was not truthful in sworn answers to a special counsel. Right. I mean, and this is where Mueller's uh, demeanor, which was not super energetic, but was somber, could be very effective for the Democrats. Because there are moments like that or moments in his back and forth with Adam Schiff, which was kind of similar, where he asked him uh, whether uh, the the Trump campaign had intervened or had welcomed the intervention. They said yes. Uh, Did they lie to cover it up? Yes. Where it's very clear and he's not being he's not pounding his fist 
desk, uh, his fists on the desk. He's not being dramatic. He's giving clear, somber answers. That's what the Democrats were looking for. But it is not surprising to those of us who have been closely watching President Trump that he lied. Uh, but it is certainly that's a moment uh, that the Democrats certainly would have wanted out of this hearing, I think. It's also new. I mean, the idea that the, the, of all the things that the president and his team did wrong, if not illegal, I mean, if, if he's going to stick by that, and I don't know that he is, um, the idea that the president was not honest in sworn answers to testimony, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a why crime. That's I found it so stunning. I mean, politically, calling the president a liar is one thing. Uh, when you have the, the counsel who's talking about the report, of which they spent two years and lots of money and, and lots of investigation, saying he didn't believe the president's answers under oath were truthful, that, to me, is another category altogether. I was just a little surprised he went there. I, I'd be interesting to see if he tries to walk that back, yeah. because that's not referenced in the report. That is beyond what he said in the report, and I think that's not, certainly not helpful to the and president. what's so remarkable about today is that in any other parallel universe, testimony like that would have been devastating to a president of the United States, Barack Obama, George W. Bush, whatever. But the fact is, I guess, I don't know if it's... Uh, congressional oversight in the age of Twitter, where you need the viral moment, or if we've just become so desensitized to the spin and fabrication, uh, uh, to use Jen's term, lies, uh, from the president of the United States, that literally you had the special counsel of the United States, or of the Justice Department, saying the president wasn't truthful in, in answers. That's uh, it's just mind-boggling. And, Carrie, we know that uh, Mueller is guided by the Office of Legal Counsel, the OLC memo that says a sitting president cannot be indicted. That guided the entire report. But for him to say President Trump was generally not truthful in his sworn answers to the special counsel's office, is that not even more of a reason, theoretically, if Mueller stands by it, for Democrats to open an impeachment inquiry? It certainly is one additional fact. Look, I think they could open an impeachment hearing based on the text that's in the report. Um, whether or not that is one additional fact that might change some members' minds, maybe it is, and it's one more thing. But the entire testimony underlies the fact that the president is a liar and that the special <laughs> counsel's report demonstrates that he's a liar. And now the special counsel says that he's a liar. And the only reason that he didn't subpoena him to come and testify under oath or be interviewed under oath was because they were worried about influencing the election. And I think that even in Influence because here we are in July of 2019 and the campaign is underway. I think that even still is underlying uh, Director Mueller's reticence in being uh, a little bit more expansive about things. I think he is so concerned about improperly being interpreted as improperly affecting an ongoing campaign as we look towards 2020. All right, everyone stick around. The big question on Capitol Hill right now, did Mueller's testimony Help or hurt calls for an impeachment inquiry. We're going to bring you the new reaction coming in. That's next. Stay with us. Is it true that there's nothing in volume two of the report that says that the president may have engaged in impeachable conduct? Well, I, I, we have uh, studiously uh, kept in the, the center of our investigation the, our mandate, and our mandate does not go to other ways of addressing conduct. Special Counsel Robert Mueller testifying before Congress today, refusing to answer a question from Congressman Sensenbrenner about if there is anything in the second volume of the report that says President Trump may have engaged in impeachable conduct, as the number of Democratic members of Congress calling for impeachment proceedings grows to at least 92. CNN's Manu Raju is live on Capitol Hill. And Manu, what are you, what are you hearing from lawmakers about the push for impeachment today. 92 is a few more than we started the day with. I think it was 88, but that's still a minority of the Democratic caucus. Yeah, and Democrats do expect that number to grow, even if Robert Mueller may not have delivered the command performance that some Democrats may have wanted. They said ultimately that their objective was fulfilled. I talked to a number of Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee and the House Intelligence Committee, particularly ones who support calls for an impeachment inquiry. They do expect that essentially their case has been bolstered. They believe more support will grow from this regard. And I talked to one member who had not publicly announced support for an impeachment inquiry that's Sean Maloney, and he said that it is time to move forward. So expect more of that. A number of Democrats said that their leadership and others perhaps may be swayed by growing public support in the aftermath of this hearing. There is overwhelming evidence of obstruction of justice 
which after all was a key article in the impe impeachment articles against both Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton. Did he change the dial on impeachment? Well, I'm not sure if he changed the dial. I think it will depend on how the public uh, views what they saw today. We believe, many of us, that the time has long passed to open a formal impeachment inquiry. I think today's testimony further supports that argument. And Jake, in just a matter of moments, we'll hear from the person who will ultimately make that decision, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She's expected to address reporters. Of course, that's going to be a key question. She has resisted calls for moving forward on impeachment proceedings, saying the current course investigations being split up by six committees is the right way to go, concerned that the Republican-led Senate would ultimately kill any impeachment effort. But we do know that the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nadler, has privately supported an impeachment inquiry. We'll see if his tune has changed and Adam Schiff too, has resisted calls for opening up an impeachment inquiry. He also will join the speaker. We'll have, hear what they have to say in just a matter of moments. Jake. All right, Manaraju, thanks so much. Let's talk about this. I think one of the big myths out there uh, among the public is the idea that impeachment uh, has to do with some sort of legal standard. Mm. Um, because, you know, there is nothing that we learned today, really, with a couple exceptions, that isn't in this report that came out several months ago. But this isn't really about legal standards. This is about politics. Right. And I think this is what's often misunderstood about Nancy Pelosi's strategy. She is making a political calculation right now that it is better, is going to be easier to get Donald Trump out of office by waiting until the election in 2020, that it will help him if there's an impeachment inquiry, that it will fail in the Senate, and it's not the right step to make. Her political calculus could certainly change, but it's not based, to your point, on what's in the legal documents or the legal process. It's based on political calculation. And she, as the Speaker of the House, has a huge amount of power um, in deciding that, but she also has decades of experience in determining what the right path forward is. Now, as I touched on earlier, I think she's not someone who's saying never impeachment, we're never moving forward. If the political winds change, if the public changes, if her caucus changes, then I think she could also change her view. It's a matter of timing as well. And uh, Congressman Rogers, we had uh, a Republican congressman from Michigan, your home state. Uh, now, now he's no longer a Republican. But Justin Amash, he came out in favor of impeachment uh, a couple months ago. So it was at one point a bipartisan uh, effort, no longer, I guess, because he's an independent. Yeah, he was a libertarian. He ran, uh, said very vocally when he ran. So many of in the Republican Party never counted him as a Republican in the first place. Uh, and then he that he went independent. Still significant, but he was never a part of the Republican Party ever. He always had his libertarian bent. That being said, I think what Nancy Pelosi is looking at on this is what is this doing for average Americans? I mean, if you look at it, I don't think this moves the needle a bit, it, which is why she has the strategy that she has that she learned through the health care debate. You can't do this all by yourself on something this big. I think this she looks at this in that political context. And if it doesn't move the needle, the, the needle in small town America across the country, you're going to get the same Nancy Pelosi tomorrow and next week and the week thereafter, which is we should be focused on doing some other things. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say that's exactly right. And a lot of the Democrats I talk to who are uh, not necessarily on the front page of newspapers every day, but are in moderate districts or just rank and file members will say they want to get back to talking about health care. They want to talk about the issues right. that helped them get elected in 2018. They don't want to talk about this anymore. That could change. But that's where their politics and their views are right now. All right. Let me give you the counter argument that, that counters Nancy Pelosi's political argument, which is that the Constitution provides a uh, mechanism through which Congress as a separate branch of government is supposed to hold a president accountable or other executive branch officials. Volume one of the report, which covers the national security issues, lays out information that the campaign was willing to receive foreign assistance and the president's statements since then indicate he still is. Volume two lays out almost 10 different, uh, up to 10 different potential acts of obstructive behavior. If this doesn't meet the standard, what's in this report, if this doesn't meet the standard of at least opening an impeachment inquiry, what does that say about future ability for a Congress to hold a president accountable for inappropriate and potentially illegal behavior? I want to bring in CNN's Abby Phillip right now. She's at the White House. And Abby, uh, President Trump uh, is speaking right now. Uh, what did he have to say? 
Well, Jake, it should come as no surprise, given what we've heard so far, that President Trump is taking a victory lap. Two reporters on the South Lawn as we speak, telling them it was a good day for him, a good day for the Republican Party, and repeating the talking points that uh, the Mueller testimony today that we all saw, in his view, confirmed that this was all a hoax, even though that contradicted literally what Robert Mueller testified today on the Hill. But it gives you a window into where President Trump is on all of this. Uh, he is saying this is a great day for him. And he has uh, two reporters in this uh, gaggle that's ongoing praised the, the Republicans who led off the Republican side of the questioning. He called them his warriors. Uh, and and uh, he's also adding that he uh, is not going to weigh in on whether or not Robert Mueller's performance was good or bad, but he believes that the content of what was revealed today did not move the ball in the Democrats' direction. Uh, when this tape comes out, as the president's still talking, it's, I think we're going to see a pretty fiery performance from President Trump. At one point, uh, according to the reporters who are out there, he was asked about whether he was worried that he might be charged with some crimes after leaving office, which uh, Mueller testified today was possible. The president lashed out at that reporter, calling them fake news. So a fiery uh, response from President Trump that we're going to get in just a few minutes, Jake. But uh, from the reports of it, President Trump is feeling pretty good today and feeling like uh, this was not uh, the kind of performance from Robert Mueller that he believes set him back. Uh, he thinks it was a good day for him. All right, Abby Phillip, thank you so much. And Elliot, obviously, um, the president uh, claiming uh, a win. Uh, the substance of the hearing would contradict that. You had Robert Mueller, the special counsel, say that the president was not exonerated, that he didn't reach a conclusion on obstruction, both of those uh, contradicting the president, that uh, this was not a witch hunt, that it was not a hoax, uh, that, the Russian, uh, that the Russians approached Team Trump and the, and the Team Trump uh, welcomed their support and then repeatedly lied about it. Right. No obstruction, no collusion. You don't get two bites at the apple. All of those statements are untrue. No obstruction, no collusion. And the two bites of the apple uh, point isn't true because Congress is not the same as the Justice Department. It's an independent body, just as Kerry had said, that has an obligation uh, to at least look into allegations of presidential misconduct. And more importantly, members of Congress, uh, this is back to the political question with Nancy Pelosi, it ties into that. Members of Congress don't take an oath to their constituents. It's their obligation to get reelected and to serve them. But their oath is to the Constitution. And if they believe and have found there's been a violation of the Constitution in some way, then they do have some duty to at least open inquiries and look into it. And Robert Mueller, in effect, handed it to them with, the, with his response to the OLC uh, guidance. And here's why. By acknowledging that he could not charge the president, but still continuing to gather evidence, mm -hmm. he, th that evidence goes nowhere. It serves no purpose if the goal wasn't to hand it off to some other investigative body. Now, that's either a future Justice Department that could prosecute or investigate private citizen Donald Trump or Congress. And so he didn't say it today. He was asked the question, should we, in not so many words, should we impeach? And he sort of backed away from it. But there's no clearer evidence of the fact that he spent two years handing them evidence uh, than the fact that he was teeing it up for them to, to take it and run with it if they so chose. But one point, Elliot, you said no collusion was proven to be false. But actually, I think you meant no exoneration. No, no exoneration. No exoneration. Yeah. Um, but right. the president does have an argument to make in the sense that Mueller testified in the report states uh, they could not find any prosecutable evidence of conspiracy that the Trump team worked with the Russians. And that was originally what this was all about. Well, it was. And that's why I've been saying for a long time that the special counsel's report is but one piece of understanding the bigger picture. One thing that Bob Mueller, I think, was really clear about today was that he viewed his role solely as a prosecutor. And a prosecutor's job is to determine, to conduct investigation and determine whether or not criminal charges can be brought. And that was the limits of his role. Prosecutorial function is not necessarily the best way. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not a comprehensive way to address a national security threat or a president that is engaging in behavior that's inconsistent with his oath of office. There are other mechanisms to deal with that. All right, everyone stick around. Coming up, how the Trump campaign is hoping to use today's testimony from Robert Mueller. We'll be right back. We have some breaking news for you now. Democrats are now planning to bring election security legislation to the floor of the Senate following Bob Mueller's testimony. CNN's Manu Raju is on Capitol Hill for us. Manu, tell us more. Yeah, Senator Mark Warner, who's the top Democrat in the Senate Intelligence Committee, along with a couple of other Democrats, plan to go to the floor in the aftermath of the Mueller testimony to propose 
election security legislation that has been languishing in the Senate. There's been uh, objections, namely by the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who does not believe that there's any need for further legislative action over election security. But Democrats in that chamber have been trying to push bills that I do have support from some Republicans to try to get this moving. Now, expect this uh, to fail. There's going to be an effort to try to get this quickly passed uh, in the United States Senate. Any member can object. We do expect a Republican objection. So what the Democrats are essentially trying to do is make their point about how they want to respond legislatively, other Democrats, and make the, expect this to be a part of the Democratic argument going forward, too, in the House. As Democrats try to propose bills that they believe could further safeguard elections, some Republicans don't believe that they're, what they're proposing is the right way to go. So this debate about how to proceed and how to deal with some of the vulnerabilities outlined by the special counsel, there's no, uh, no agreement on Capitol Hill on how to deal with just that as calls from the right left also grow about moving forward on the impeachment inquiry, which the leadership at the moment is showing no signs of getting behind. Jake. All right, Manu on Capitol Hill. Let's talk about this. It would seem that bipartisan election security legislation would be a no-brainer. Why would Republicans oppose it? It really does depend on what's in the legislation. Right. It's like a guy that can't breathe and you say, you know, I'm going to put this 10-pound weight on your chest. I'm sure this will help you through your episode. Right now, today, it was interesting. The NSA came out and announced a new directorate to handle this, to coordinate this kind of an activity to protect elections. It was from uh, a woman named Ann Newberger, who is, by the way, a national treasure. She's been with the NSA a while. Brilliant, bright. I'm glad she's there. She now has this new directorate. She's very, very good. And that gives her the authority to kind of corral the other intelligence agencies to get this done. Also, Dan Coates, over the last few months, came out and had each intelligence agency designate someone, a leadership person in each agency designed to get after uh, and, and collect information and get it up, I assume now, to Ann Newberger, who's going to be the new NSA director. I think they ought to look at that. They ought to see if that's working. I wouldn't be in a hurry to put, lay something over just to thump your chest and say we did it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do more harm than good. This, to me, was really important because the one thing lacking was a person to make a decision now it looks like they have one and the coordination, somebody that could call up the CIA and say, I'm not asking, I'm telling you, give me this information. Same with the FBI and other agencies. And people in the administration say that they have been able to uh, do what, everything they need to do for election security, although they do privately bemoan the fact that the commander in chief is not helping them in the education of the public and, in fact, continues to sow seeds of doubt about whether or not election interference actually ever happened. Well, the problem with that is that it's a cooperative effort with states. So I'm not sure we're hearing that from governors and election officials in states. They're the ones who are controlling voting and ensuring people aren't getting into the voting systems. And one of the things we tried to do was to to educate and to work with states to prevent that. So I think it's all well and good what they're doing now. But what they should have done is done this two and a half years ago. And this election or this uh, this proposal that Warner's putting out is not new. There's been a push in the Senate for this for some time. He's just trying to take advantage of the focus on Mueller. So I think that's good to hear about the administration. But there's a lot of additional steps that need to happen. We're, we're getting pretty close to the election. Uh, we're yep. getting pretty close to voting and, and more needs to happen now. All right, everyone stick around. We're standing by now for new reaction from President Trump about Mueller's testimony. We're going to bring that to you as soon as we get the tape. Stay with us. back with the breaking news. Robert Mueller testifying on Capitol Hill today. We are waiting now to hear from President Trump. He just spoke at the White House at length. We're going to bring that to you as soon as the tape comes in. Uh, but until then, let's talk about this. I want you to, carry listen to one key answer from Mueller regarding the idea of charging President Trump after he is no longer president. Under Department of Justice policy, the president could be prosecuted for obstruction of justice crimes after he leaves office. Is correct? True. 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 He could be prosecuted for obstruction of justice crimes after he leaves office. But we know Mueller. There are no sealed indictments. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing we're waiting to hear from the Mueller team. Who would bring such a charge forward? 
it would have to be, if it was obstruction, it would have to um, come from the Justice Department, a U.S. attorney's office. Since he was here in D.C., the most likely would be the U.S. attorney's office here in D.C. Again, that U.S. attorney works for the attorney general. So a lot of that decision making process would be an evaluation of the evidence. And would that go all the way up to whoever would be the attorney general? And so it would matter a lot, I would suspect, on uh, what year that might take place. Um, I think there was also another exchange, perhaps later in that hearing, um, where the statute of limitations came up and, and Director Mueller wasn't really in a position to be able to answer that question and how would it affect it. So a legal analysis would need to be done as to whether or not those charges could be brought. But it also raises a, an issue that Elliot raised earlier, which is that um, the proce- potential prosecution later is one potential reason that they could have preserved the evidence. But then the other avenue is that they preserve the evidence for Congress to be able to act. What's clear is that they knew pretty early on, the special counsel's team knew pretty early on, that they weren't going to make a prosecutorial judgment. And they conducted their investigation anyway to make sure that the evidence was there. And that's why even so if you remember in the morning, he he answers the question directly to Ted Lieu and says, yeah, you know, we knew right away that we weren't going to charge the president and then walks it back under either circumstance. It's damaging information for the president. And under either circumstance, um, you know, they're opening the door to to future to bringing future charges against the president. But again, you know, the big picture point here is we're getting caught up in this question of what's criminally chargeable versus what's not. And not the bigger picture question of what conduct is appropriate from a president of the United States and a presidential campaign. Right. It's sort of. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. And let me just add one other thing. Sometimes I hear people say, you know, that there's I think there's a group of people that perhaps is expecting that at some point they're going to see President Trump. And these are political points. They're going to see President Trump uh, going to jail. I think that's fantasy. All right. Let's take a listen to President Trump responding. Very good day today. The Republican Party. Our country. There was no defense of what Robert Mueller was trying to defend, in all fairness to Robert Mueller, whether his performance was a bad one or a good one. I think everybody understands that. I think everybody understands what's going on. There was no defense to this ridiculous hoax, this witch hunt that's been going on for a long time, pretty much from the time I came down on the escalator with our first lady. And it's a disgrace what happened, but I think today proved a lot to everybody. In fact, some of my biggest opponents wrote things today that I wouldn't have believed they would have written, and I appreciate that they did that. This has been a very bad thing for our country, and despite everything we've been through, it's been an incredible two and a half years for our country. The administration, our president, me, we've done a great job. We've got the strongest stock market, the best unemployment numbers, the most number of people ever working in the history of our country right now, almost 160 million. Our military has been rebuilt and getting even stronger. Uh, We've done a great job and we've done it under this terrible phony cloud, a phony cloud. That's all it was. And they should be ashamed of themselves. Absolutely ashamed. And you know who knew it was a phony cloud more than anyone else was Schiff and Nadler and Schumer and Pelosi, every one of them. They all knew it was phony stuff. And you look at the polls. The polls are showing it maybe more than anybody else or anything else. And I've had my best polls, and I don't say why, but people see what's gone on in our country with this whole thing. I've been going through it for three years for three years, all nonsense. So uh, this was a very big day for our country. This was a very big day for the Republican Party. And you could say it was a great day for me, but I don't even like to say that. It's great. I'll tell you what, I very much appreciate those incredible warriors that you watch today on television, Republicans, that defended something and defended something very powerful, very important, because they were really defending our country. More than anything else, they were defending our country. But they were warriors, and they've been warriors for a long time. And everybody knew it was a hoax, especially the Democrats. I wish we could be a fly on the wall 
in those rooms where the Democrats would go in and talk before and after meetings, and they'd be laughing and smiling and say, can you believe that we're getting away with this? But in the end, they didn't get away with it. Yeah. So there is no such a thing. He didn't have the right to exonerate. And, you know, it's very interesting. People mention exoneration. That was something where he totally folded because he never had the right to exonerate. And it was covered very well by Congressman Turner and put to a conclusion. We were, if you take a look at not only the report, beyond the report, take a look at not what he said, but what he was forced to say. And even your networks and your network and your network and your ne every one of these networks, they put up their hands. You know, we had a couple of cases with, actually we had about six cases where they asked our people, our representatives, television networks, please don't come in tonight. We're not going to be doing much on it. And the reason they're not, because it's over. Go ahead. Are you concerned you could be indicted out of office? If you were Brett Trump so much about WikiLeaks, Robert Mueller called that problematic. So WikiLeaks is a hoax, just like everything else. And all of those problems having to do with crime were the biggest hoax of all. It was a witch hunt, a total witch hunt. And when you saw Robert Mueller's statement, the earlier statement, and then he did a recap, he did a correction later on in the afternoon. And you know what that correction was. And you still ask the question, you know why? Because you're fake news and you're one of the most. And let me just tell you, the fact that you even asked that question, you're fake news because you know what? He totally corrected himself in the afternoon, and you know that just as well as anybody. Caitlin, Caitlin. I don't know whose answers weren't. I guess his answers weren't, because if you look, the whole report, you take a look at what they did, some of the things that he didn't even know about, some of the things he didn't even know what was going on. But you know, in the end, what he did, he actually probably came through for himself. The performance was obviously not very good. He had a lot of problems. But what he showed more than anything else is that this whole thing has been three years of embarrassment and waste of time for our country. And you know what? The Democrats thought they could win an election like this. I think they hurt themselves very badly for 2020. Did I what? I don't know. I really don't know. I never had. Don't know. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, frankly, whether or not he did, it wouldn't matter to me because he did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong because it's so unimportant. It was always a very unimportant meeting. It was only important to the fake news. Go ahead. No, he didn't say that. Again, your fake news and you're right at the top of the list also. Let me just tell you. Go back to what, it's not what he said. Read his correction. Read his correction. If you read his correction, you'll find out. That's why people don't deal with you, because you're not an honest reporter. John. John. They are devastated. The Democrats lost so big today. Their party is in shambles right now. They've got the squad leading their party. They are a mess. Where even you take a look at Scribe and you take a look at so many of the people that were the most outspoken. And they say this was a devastating day for the Democrats. And you know it, John, and everybody else knows it. This was a devastating day for the Democrats. No, no, a very dumb and very unfair question. Because if you look at his correction, he took that totally out of play. He made his decision based on the facts, not based on some rule. 
So you shouldn't even ask that question because you know it's a phony. Go ahead. The Democrats had nothing, and now they have less than nothing. And I think they're going to lose the 2020 election very big, including congressional seats, because of the path that they chose. Now, who knows where it goes? I, I, from what I hear, they're giving up. But I, I just say, I know them too well. They'll never give up. They'll go back into the room and they'll try and figure something out. This whole thing has been... Honestly, it's been collusion. It's been collusion with the media. It's been collusion with other countries. This has been a disaster for the Democrats. And I think we're going to win bigger than ever. Now, I'm, I'm going to West Virginia, one of the great states, a state that's doing, if you look at percentage up, I think it's number one or number two in the country. And nobody would have believed that. West Virginia is doing great. So I'm going to West Virginia. We did have a big case today. You know, we won the asylum case in Washington, which frankly, you should be asking about that because that's the real deal. I can't believe how nice you are today. Go ahead, give me a question. My question, Mr. President, is that even though he's back in Westbrook, No, because we did nothing wrong. The answer is very simple. Nothing was done wrong. This was all a big hoax. And if you look at it today, nothing was done wrong. Now, I believe what you're going to find, you're going to find a lot of things that were done very wrong. But that's going on now. That's something you haven't been writing about. And that has to do with the other side. That has to do with a thing called investigate the investigators. Uh, let's see what happens. That's going to be very interesting. Look, I think Robert Mueller did a horrible job, both today and with respect to the investigation. But in all fairness to Robert Mueller, he had nothing to work with. You know, you can be a builder. But if they don't give you the right materials, you're not going to build a very good building. Robert Mueller had no material. He had nothing to work with. So obviously he did very poorly today. I don't think there's anybody, even among the fakers, I don't think there's anybody that would say he did well. I looked at your people. They're saying it was devastating for the Democrats. And even, I will tell you, the two most nauseous and nauseating networks whose ratings have both gone down, way down. Even they said this was a really bad day for the Democrats. So Robert Mueller did a poor job, but in all fairness to him, he had nothing to work with, David. Do you regret not talking to Mueller now that you've seen him in action? Look, I saw what he did to people, how he ruined people's lives because they didn't remember a date or something very minor. He ruined people's lives. The Democrats, they took people and they destroyed their lives. They went bankrupt because they couldn't afford the legal fees and they were good people, many, many people. So when you ask me that question, all they have to do is see that how nice this weather is. If I made a mistake and said I was talking to the media and it was a little bit rainy, a little bit overcast, they'd say, well, we have to do, he lied. Let me tell you, I've seen what they've done to people. I've seen how they've destroyed people like General Flynn and so many others, what they've done to people? No, I did the right thing. Well, Mueller had no material. Sure, Mueller had no material to work with, and he did a horrible job. Obviously, his presentation was way off, but that's okay. It didn't matter. He had no material. There was nothing done wrong. In fact, things were done right. There was nothing done wrong. And certainly, I mean, look, I read the papers and I read the press and I read the internet. And if you see what's going on the internet, if you listen to the internet, this was one of the worst performances in the history of our country. So you know that, you know that very well. But I don't think anybody could have done a good performance. He had no material. It was a fake set of facts that the Democrats used to, and others 
to try and do really an illegal overthrow. But we're going to find out about that. Well, the asylum is a big... Say it. So the asylum is a very big ruling. That was a tremendous ruling today. We appreciate it. We respect the courts very much. Uh, that helps us very much at the border. Uh, the numbers are way down at the border, which is a good thing. Uh, apprehensions are way down because Mexico has now 22,000 soldiers. And uh, they mean business because they know what happens. The alternative is not good for them. Uh, it's also good for Mexico what they're doing because the cartels have been running all of the border for years and years. And Mexico is saying, and the president is saying, we got to clean it up. So they've got 21,000 soldiers. They'll probably put up more. But this ruling today on asylum is a tremendous ruling. So Guatemala gave us their word. We were going to sign a safe third agreement. And then all of a sudden they backed up. They said it was their Supreme Court. I don't believe that. But they used their Supreme Court as the reason they didn't want to do it. So we'll either do uh, tariffs or we'll do something. We're looking at something very severe with respect to Guatemala. I've already cut all payments. I did that a year ago. I cut all payments going to Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala. We used to send them $500 million for nothing, for nothing. They didn't do anything except set up caravans. So Guatemala, we're going to take care of. And it won't even be tough. We're going to do, we're looking at a couple of different things. One of the things very heavy is, as you know, Mexico has put 6,000 people on that border. Let me, let me just tell you something. I, I know you're always, you always have a question. You mean my White House aides lied? What about his aides? What about, what about Mueller's age? He didn't say that at all. You're untruthful when you ask. You are untruthful. When you ask that question, when you ask that question, you're untruthful. And you know who else is untruthful? You know who else is untruthful? His aides. And Weissman was untruthful. And Weissman got caught just like he did with Arthur Anderson, where he lost in the Supreme Court nine to nothing. His aides were very untruthful, and they put Mueller, and they put Mueller, not at all, they put Mueller in a very bad position. His aides put him in a very bad position, and if you were ever truthful, you'd be able to write the truth. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.